0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maura Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, the 27th of September, and we are reading in the big book on page 151, the third paragraph, which starts, The Less People Tolerated Us. And today's readers are Patricia M.S., 12 Steps, Alexis H., 12 Traditions, Deb W., Stacey C., and Leslie M. reading the texts. The reference numbers for yesterday, the 26th of September, Tuesday, 7 a.m. Share ID, 10,474, 10,474, excuse me, and yesterday's 10 a.m. Share ID, 10,476. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Patricia M.S. to please read the 12 steps of OA.
1: Okay. Can I be heard more? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. This is Patricia M.S., The 12 Steps. The exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to food addicts and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks for allowing me to be of service this morning. Have a great day, everybody. Thank
0: you, Patricia. I'll now ask Alexis H. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Hi,
2: Maura. Uh, Am I coming through clearly?
0: Yes, thank you.
2: All right, this is Alexis H., compulsive overeater in Michigan. And these are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous have no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the ONA might never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12 anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place
0: principles before personalities thank you for letting me read thank you alexis how our meeting works our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of alcoholics anonymous we read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read anyone can share We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And then once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the person speaking should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book, and we are on page 151, with the third paragraph that starts the less. People Tolerated Us. We'll be reading that paragraph and commenting on it. And so I would now like to ask Deb W. if she would get us started
3: by reading. Good morning. Good morning. This is Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma. The less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. As we became subjects of king alcohol, shivering denizens of his mad realm, the chilling vapor that is loneliness settled down. It thickened, ever becoming blacker. Some of us sought out sordid places, hoping to find understanding, companionship, approval. Momentarily, we did. Then would come oblivion, the awful awakening to face the hideous four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand, and I promise you, I understand what that paragraph is about. You know, Um, I think one of the most perplexing um, memories or when I look back in retrospect, um, of what I did as a real compulsive eater is the number of times that I replay how things used to be, you know. (laughs) I used to be able to eat this, you know. I used to be able to wear this size clothing, you know. I used to be able to, you know, and I'm trying to continue to get control of this food, this behavior, that sends me into the four horsemen, into the craziness, you know, into the binge, you know, into the place that I can't say no, that I keep seeing myself and hearing my mind say, let's go back. I want to go back. That memory of that food, that bite that I had, that I have to put on my list of uh, no, I can't have, uh, as long as I'm ingesting them, that There's that replay, replay, replay. Well, why not? I can't remember why I can't have this. And it could have been just the day before that I sunk down into the depths of, you know, despair. But that next day, I forget exactly. Now, why is it? You know, my mind is in denial of what is going on with my present state, And the present state is that I cannot, cannot control it. And my mind is also in denial of the relationship, the results of these binges. The times that I call my employer and say, I'm sick, I can't be there today, when really I just want to be alone and eat and watch TV. Um my family who I can't show up for the games of the kids or the social activities because I'm overweight and I feel yucky. My emotional is foggy and so and the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows and the depression. Yes, depression is can be a situation even in recovery that we have to take medication for. But the most of it, the heaviest part of it, settled. You know, I, I take uh, depression medication, yet my depression is nowhere near what it was back when I was eating and stuffing on the the food. Um, yeah, I can't talk, and I, I couldn't, see the, 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 the connection of the food and my mood, you know, the food and how I handle things that come up in life. And after the steps, living in 10 and 11 and 12, I get to look at the real culprit, the real reason that I turn to food is that life is unmanageable. And I needed a program. I needed a way to process every one of the interactions that make me feel uncomfortable. And I am full of, you know, emotion and uncomfortable. And after the spiritual awakening and it settles down, then I can actually work and live in 10, 11, and 12. And so with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Deb W. And um, listing your name but one time, please. Who would like to share on the third paragraph? Matt M, Tina S, Nicole K- P, Larry A, K- Nessa K- R,
4: Jackie, Nessa
0: B-, R- Jackie B. B. Let's go with that. I've got Matt M, Tina S, Nicole P. Larry K, Nessa R, and Jackie B. Matt M, please go ahead and start us off.
5: Thank you, Maura, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M, compulsive eater from New Jersey. I cannot picture life without food. It's funny, like when I first came in the rooms, I thought I'm never going to be able to eat pizza again. I'm never going to be able to eat cake and cookies again. I I couldn't look past the perimeter of the food, like you know. And sometimes I still think that you know I can someday I'll be able to eat those things. And it was very lonely in that bit and morass of self pity. What I'm not going to be able to go out with my friends anymore. I'm not going to be able to do stuff with them because they're going out to eat. You know, it really is a jumping off place. So I, I wish for it. Sometimes I wish that I, I do have depression. My depression got so bad that I did wish for it to end. I didn't want to have this disease. I didn't ask for it. So why, you know, why, why why, why was I stuck with it? Why should everybody help eat normally or have one bite or one cookie or one this or one that? And, uh, me, I'd have to have the whole sleeve or the whole bag or the whole box. And, um,. And I would still look at people when they would eat like one bite of something, I was like, Are you crazy? Why don't you eat the whole thing? you know? Insanity, you know. I sometimes still think I can get away with half a dozen drinks, but I know I can't because I know that I'll be right back under the eight ball again, trying to get back up coming out of the bitter morass of self pity from taking a binge. And in those times, it's not easy to deal with, but you know, I know food's everywhere, I'll have to deal with food, you know, it's not food doesn't have to deal with me. And I'm grateful today that I can see I don't need certain foods in my life. I've had my share, my fill of them a long time ago. And I don't need to try new combinations of A, B, or C for me to realize that it's all the same thing deep down. It's all sugar. It's all wheat. It's all flour. And I'm grateful I don't have to partake in those. It's a choice. I choose to not to do that today. With that, I'll pass. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Tina S., it is your turn,
6: followed by Nicole P. Thanks, Maura, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. I can really relate, and I certainly earned the seat that I sit in and listen on the line today, and, you know, what I really get from this for myself is, you know, I withdrew from society, and I don't know that people tolerated me less, but I know that I tolerated them less for sure. I wanted to be by myself. I like that it talks about, you know, king alcohol, you know, because food certainly ruled my life uh, every day. And um, whether I ate it or didn't, I didn't know what what the day was going to bring, you know, because if I ate the day before, I was dieting today. So, and then it talks about the loneliness, you know, settling down, you know, and becoming blacker, you know, that was my life. You know, it's been uh, several, uh, one day at a time that I haven't lived this life, but I certainly remember when when I think about the words, the way it's described, you know, ever becoming blacker. And, um, you know, and then the oblivion, you know, and then to awaken to face the hideous four horsemen. That was so true for me, terror, terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. You know, and I was the unhappy eater, you know, and I certainly understand. And today I think that's my greatest gift, that when somebody comes in the room, we had a, a woman last night comes in the room and shares this stuff. I so understand. You know, and I, and we have a way out, you know, that we all agree on, that one day at a time, you know, practicing these principles, working the 12 steps for freedom, for the transformation, is my solution. And with a power greater than myself, I have that opportunity daily. And with
1: that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Tina S. Nicole P., it's your turn, followed by Larry K.
7: Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Nicole P., a, re- a very, very grateful, compulsible reader recovered from Georgia. The less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society. I wrote, the less people refused to join my pity party, the more isolated I became. I thought the world revolved around me that, you know, if I'm having a bad day, everyone else should be too because, you know, poor me victim me, feel sorry for me, and I would get angry that, you know, my own best friends, I'm like, how could you take their side? And they would tell me something that I learned in these 12 steps. Well, what did you do, and what were your actions in the situation? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about that. Just listen to me complain. And it wasn't until coming to this program where I was like, oh, they're absolutely right to the point where I had gotten myself, were they in a 12-step program? Um, King alcohol. I'll never forget a person said this, and it rang true in my life. Anything that controls you is your master, and you're a slave to whatever controls you. And for me, food controlled my life. All I thought about was food to the point where I didn't even enjoy moments. I would go places and travel, and I can seldomly tell you what I did in those places, but I can tell you every food I ate from beginning to end. And that, to me, shows me before program, speaking of here in this sentence where it says, life, I don't believe I ever had one before program. It wasn't until getting to actually know God. I knew of him. We had a very surface relationship. It wasn't until I introduced myself to him and I said, you know what? I'm okay with you driving my life because I haven't been doing a good job. And when I think that he needs my help, he sweetly tells me, I I got this. But, you know... (laughs) It's that whole letting go of this false sense of control. Because if I had the control, I wouldn't need a program, would I? (laughs) So, you know, that is a humbling thing. The Four Horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Oh, yeah. I was that person. I looked like I had it all together on the outside. But I was a mess. And coming to program, especially so young, I just, I had this thought that, oh, I can manipulate and I could get away with what I wanted to get away with, and I had all the time in the world because I'm young and, you know, I, I have so much to live for, so if I just work this good diet, I'll be fine. And I am happy to say, and at the time I didn't feel this way, It not only did the diet not work, it never will work. Time. Thank you. And I am happy that today... I can say that my higher power is my best friend. So with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Nicole P. Larry K., it's your turn, and followed by Nessa R.
8: Good morning, Maura. This is Kim G. <laughs> from South Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, all. Okay. Um, no, it's Larry K. The, um, let's see. So, you know, so here we see Bill... Um, beginning the chapter by summarizing alcoholism you know king alcohol shivering denizens of his mad realm um he's describing the advancement of the of this disease as the four horsemen terror bewilderment frustration despair and and these are the points that Bill's driving home over and over again throughout the book and you know when we look at where did bill hear about the four horsemen you know i can i can only speculate that it's probably likely i mean he was involved with the 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 uh the early oxford group movement and and the christian interpretation back then the four horsemen were identified as death famine war and conquest you know all things i'm reminded that are indeed cunning baffling and powerful just like our disease you know the spiritual malady and if you investigate further you know we see that that even in artwork the the um The the four horsemen are represented in different aspects of the same tribulation. Uh, A tribulation is a cause of great trouble or distress, and that's, you know, that's been the case for me. Um, And and would you not agree that this covers our our battle as tethered denizens or residents of the mad realm of food? You know, I mean, either food is purchased and owned by you, um, or rather, you are owned, tethered subjugated to it. You know, make no mistake, you you don't control the food. It If you're like me, it controls you when you come here. You know, either you're the king or the food is the king. And honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, well, th- these are the traits that, you know, that I needed. And I don't know, perhaps we we see them as indispensable. And for me, true surrender is is a process by which we cease resistance you know we lay it down lay down the weapon of false pride i needed to do that we we capitulate we give up and it really goes against the the grain here because i don't want to capitulate to anyone or anything you know but it was time for me to wave the white flag in the face of these these four horsemen because i knew that the food although i purchased it at the local store The food really purchased me. It owned me. It controlled me. I I had no control over it. I needed a spiritual transformation in order to be pulled from the quicksand. You know, you wave around in the quicksand, you'll go down faster. You really need to be saved from the quicksand. Quite literally, you need to be pulled out. And that's what happened to me. And I'm Kim G. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry K. Nessa R., it is your turn, followed by Jackie B. <laughs>
9: Thank you. Um, good morning. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So step one says, admitted we were powerless over food and our lives have become unmanageable. And, you know, it's it's often um, misunderstood or not understood at all You know, what does unmanageability mean? And to me, nothing describes unmanageability better than the four horsemen. terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. If I'm feeling these, then my life is unmanageable. And I was tormented by these four horsemen, whether I was in the food or whether I was in a diet. You know, if I was in the food, every time I'd had a binge or a purge or a binge and a purge, Um, I would be, I would be terrorized by these. And if I was not in the food, I was terrorized um, by having to go through life, by having to cope uh, with whatever was going on without my crutch, without my crutch. And so, you know, um, there was really no escape for me, no escape from, from, from terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. But, you know, the good news is that I don't live like this anymore because now I'm not a subject of King food. Um, I have found a, a different king, a king that was always there, just not accessible to me. And how did I find, find this king whom I call God? You know, it was very simple, not easy, but very simple. You know, just put down the food honestly, um, clearly, absolutely, and entirely, and then work the steps of is outlining this big book, and that's it. That's all I had to do. You know? Um, I don't have to live in fear of the food anymore because it doesn't matter to me anymore. You know, I actually get this question often. Um, Two questions, actually, I get often. One is, do you ever have an unpeaceful meal? And the true and honest answer is no, because it is very clear what it is that I can and cannot eat and how much I can um, eat at one at one meal. You know, I weigh and measure my food. My uh, trigger foods are black and white. There are no gray areas. But the most important thing is that my mind is not playing games on me, trying to convince me that this time it's going to be different. That this time I will be able to eat these things, and that that I was only able to achieve. Again, by putting down the food and by working the steps. And the other question that I'm always asked is, "Don't I feel deprived?" You know, like knowing that I'll never have chocolate again. Thank you. Knowing that I'll never have cheesecake again. And the answer again is no. It's no because it doesn't matter what I have now. Access to this wonderful King that gives me all the sense of discomfort I need um, is so much better than all the chocolate in the world. And with that, I pass. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Nessa R. Jackie B., it is your turn.
10: Hi, this is Jackie B. Can I be heard?
0: Yes, thank you. Uh,
10: Okay, great. Thank you so much, everyone, for your shares and for the people that do service and Maura. This is Jackie B. from the Bronx. Very grateful, very willing, um, and amazed. Uh, Every day... Uh, each day the program becomes more amazing to me. When my life is fuller, uh, not you know, doesn't mean that everything is rosy. Doesn't mean that I've got a million dollars in the bank and I've got the perfect 15 year old and a husband of 20 almost 21 years. Wonderful. No, what it means is I have a daily reprieve. It means that today. Um, I took my food, it's done, I don't think about it, now what can I do for the world? What can I do for my recovery by giving away my recovery to other people? I can tell you that you stick with this program. Uh, I can tell you that you don't may not like everything in this program, you may not like everybody in you, this program, however, if you work the program, The way the big book tells you, which is first identify, identify those foods that trigger the craving, that causes the obsession, and then after that, once you've did that, then your mind clears up. When your mind clears up, that's when the work starts. It starts when you start working the steps with another compulsive overeater that's gone a little ahead of of you, and then you work it together. And the amazing thing is, is that now I can walk. Now I can clean my body. Now I can say, yes, I like this. I don't like that. Um, And if I feel uncomfortable about emotions and feelings, I do not go to a bakery box. I do not go to um, a candy store. I do not go to a fried place. What I do is say, I don't feel so hot emotionally. And I go and say, can I do a 10 step? Can I do my eleven step? Uh, hey, you have a minute? Can I talk to you? Today, I admit what makes me uncomfortable so I don't have to go in a bag or a box. What I can tell you is, is that let us love you now by saying, hey, we'll help you if you're really desperate enough. We've got the solution here. It's in the book. Read it. Ask for help. Reach out. Do service. Do service. that That's the main thing. Service keeps this strong. That's why I'm here over 25 years. I only have recovery 13 and a half months. But I am here 25 years to tell you it works if you're working. And thank you, and, and I pass.
0: I pass. Thank you, Jackie B. Thank you. Take me a second to unmute. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Okay, so um I just want to put a reminder out there that um you have no requirements for sharing. So if you've never shared before, feel free to put your name out there and one name at a time, please, who would like to share on the third paragraph on page one fifty one that starts with the less people tolerated us?
11: Barbara, and, and Risa Janine. 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 Leia Barbara, Barbara D. Ross Jackie G. Janet Barbara
0: D yeah M. Did I hear Lisa Russ B. M. Did I hear Russ M. Early on?
12: Yep, Russ M.
0: Okay, okay. Guevara S. Lisa B. Carrie N. Devorah. Barbara Lisa Jeanette S. Jeanette Vasco. Okay, all right. Let's let's go with that. I, look, I I know I missed a whole boatload of you guys, and I'm so sorry. I'll tell you what I got here. I have Barbara D., Leia M., Russ M., Devora S., Lisa B., and Jeanette F. Barbara D., will you get us started, please? Barbara D., or was it Barbara E.? I think it's Barbara C., (laughs) Okay, Barbara That's C, okay. please.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that too, good. please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I'm Barbara C, and I'm um, composed of over here from Virginia, and Hi Tamara and everybody there. Um, I love everything I've been hearing on these lines, in this particular passage. I so agree with what was said earlier that yeah, I was the person beside everything was supposed to come my way. And what I would do is turn to the food as my, you know, it was my comforter. It was like, it always made me feel better. It was a joke because, you know, it would make me feel sick later on. I wouldn't consciously be aware, but, you know, I'd be pouring all of this stuff down my throat. I look at it now and I think to myself, how did I do that and not, you know, get totally sick? And I guess I did get totally sick because... You know, I have so many problems in the past with my eyes with my nose and I've gotten 20, 30 pounds of weight from all the stuff that I poured into my body and I'm kind of mad at myself. And I really look at this program and I go, you know what, this is the answer. I know it. And I understand. I've got to work it one day at a time. But I'm also like trying now to get it fixed. I want, the, I want a, a solution. I want um, to be cured. I'm going a graduate. I kept telling somebody that, and they're like, no, you don't ever graduate from this program, you know. So I'm here to, to learn, to to get everything I can out of what you guys are telling me, and I love listening to this meeting. So I just wanted to chime in and tell you that I am really enjoying this, and thank
0: you so much for allowing me to be here at Path. Thank you, Barbara. C, as in cat. Leah M, it is your turn, followed by Russ M.
13: Thank you very much. The less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. You know, I remember my disease started at a very young age, and I remember even at the age of seven or eight, Before, people weren't tolerating me, so to speak. Um, You know, I would get on my bicycle uh, after having uh, scrounged around for some money, having looked in the newspaper to see uh, the times of the local theater, and I would make sure and I would calculate the amount of money I had and the amount of time I needed in order to, uh, you know, purchase my binge foods, sit in that dark theater and await, you know, the... uh, the movie to come on screen, and it was perfect for me. You know, it was darkness, it was isolation, it was sedation, uh, medication, it was a numbing out, and that was just the beginning of my disease. (laughs) You know what I mean? That was just the beginning. Um, You know, I realize as I reflect on my eating career, it wasn't just my efforts to hide and sneak and isolate my, uh, you know, with my binge foods, Um, and it wasn't just kind of uh, trying to avoid the rebuke of other people about it. And it wasn't just the need to quickly, you know, eat my binge foods in peace. You know, as my disease progressed, my compulsive overeating and the whole addiction process became a turning inward and, you know, uh, turning away from the usual means of interaction with people. Um, the usual way of living life on life's terms, you know, it became obvious to me um, as my disease progressed that there was something I was trying to quiet, you know, uh, an unquiet soul, so to speak, that the contents of those bags and boxes held out in easier, softer way. I had a rough time living. I had a rough time living, and yet I thought that self-sufficiency, you know, and turning my back on uh, relationship with other people and certainly with God was the way to go. And it also became obvious in my disease that it wasn't just my binging and its consequences that puzzled me, how I felt abstinent, how I felt abstinent was a puzzle to me. So, you know, when I read this paragraph, it reminds me that death isn't necessarily the greatest loss for someone like me, a real compulsive overeater. The greatest loss for me was dying inside while I was still alive. Oh, that was painful. And that's why when someone pointed out to me, and I'm wrapping up uh, the text, In the big book where it says, setting aside the drink problem, why was I making such a heavy going of life? Ah, that spoke of the unmanageability and the chaos that surrounded me and within me, even when the food was down. And when that became clear, then the necessity for the 12-step process became an urgency. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Leah M. Russ M., it is your turn, followed by Devorah S.
12: Good morning. Can, you, can I be heard?
0: Um. Yes. Go ahead, Russ. Thank you.
12: Awesome. Thanks, Mark, for your service. So, you may not believe it. Oh, wait. Russ M., I'm also over here outside of Philly, Philly, and I'm recovering. You may not believe it, but many years ago, I was a professional wrestler, and I was on the road. And it, all, it was all about promotion. And when I read this, I see King Alcohol and the Four Horsemen. See, I, I was the dog boy to King Alcohol, you know, in wrestling terms. I was, I was the underling to the, to, to the Four Horsemen. They owned me. They owned me. And every time that I would fight on my own will to come back and get a name for myself, in the world by diet, by restriction, by exercise, I'd get back into that food. And it wasn't just that was pitch dark. Pitch dark. Where there was no hope. And that those four horsemen would jump me, put their foot on my throat, and I would tap out. Till finally in this January I tapped out. I tapped out. I could not do it anymore. And You know, through God's grace and these 12 steps, you know, I'll never be a king. I'll never be King Al Gore or anyone. But I can be a prince. I can be a prince. And there could be princesses too. And I learned that I'm loved and I can be free. I can be free through, through this program. And I can win, but not by life standards, by what God has for me, what my higher power has for me, you know, my freedom and being able to just enjoy what i have left on this earth through this program so yeah it's a little crazy a little short sicilian guy from philadelphia was on the road wrestling but i identify so closely with this because i was the bad boy i was a slave to this for 44 and a half years of my life my point is if i can get free anybody can it's just you know you do got to tap out you got to tap out and, hand it over to God in this program. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I pass.
0: Thank you, Russ M. Devora S., it's your turn, followed by Lisa B.
11: Thank you so much. My name is Devora S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Thank you all for being here and, and for this meeting. Well, I really relate to this paragraph and that chilling vapor, that loneliness settled in. I, I remember that so well. And for me, it was a dark, cold pit and trying to climb out of that pit and seeing the sunlight. And it was there for years and years, starting in childhood. I was that fat kid, always wanting to get thin, always wanting to fit in, always wanting to be like everybody else and and I didn't get it, and it got into you know teenage years, adulthood, um being close to three hundred pounds, coming into this program, being fat and miserable, getting abstinent, losing the weight. And then, all of a sudden, I'm feeling these four horsemen, the terror, the bewilderment, the frustration, and despair, because I was abstinent, and I didn't have a program and um I looked great, I lost all that weight, but it meant nothing because I was not recovered and So I know what it feels like when you're when you're in that dark place of loneliness and despair but try it when you're abstinent. It's it's 10 times worse. So I'm so grateful today because I dug out of that dark, deep pit in abstinence and I saw the sunlight. Thank you, God. And I'm living today not in that place. You know, I'm living with the freedom around the food, a freedom around myself, freedom to know that, you know, there's a higher power out there that loves me, I'm not it. I don't have to run the show. And um, I have a fellowship of people who really understand me. I never encountered that before, you know. And when it says about unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand, now I'm involved with happy people, happy people who are, you know, who are not hurting themselves with the food, and yet we understand each other. And what a miracle that is today! And um, really, really grateful to be part of this fellowship and to walk these pages with you, and um, and to live another day together. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Devora S. Lisa B. It's your turn, followed by Jeanette F. Good morning. This is Lisa B. A recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for this meeting and thank you for everyone that's here. The line that stands out for me is, um, some of us sought out sordid places, hoping to find understanding, companionship, and approval. While with food, I was truly an isolator. Food is my true drug of no choice. Um, For a few years, I did, with alcohol, seek out those sort of places, but I always gravitated right back to the food. And when it talks about the... The Four Horsemen and Terror, I saw that for many years before my food took me to the depths. I saw that on my um, beautiful brother's face who struggled with cocaine. So um, I recognized that in him and then I began to see it in myself with where food took me. Um, But, you know, the places that I sought out trying to get uh, understanding and get well, is um, it reminds me on There is a Solution. It says some drinkers have excuses with which they are satisfied part of the time, but in their hearts they really do not know why they do it. Well, that's how I felt. But for years I sought out uh, spirituality. I sought out prayer and meditation. I sought out uh, self-help. I sought out therapy. And those things did help me get a little bit of a grasp. Um, But it really, really wasn't what gave me the, the true answer, I needed to meet someone in whom the problem had been solved. Ideally, for me, what worked is meeting another compulsive overeater. I did go for, to AA meetings for years trying to get help with my food, and I know that that's probably helped many people. But for me, I, you know, the denial was so thick for me. I kept trying to think, well, I'm really not that bad. Um, but, you know, in spiritual experience, in the appendix two, it says in our big book, What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected um, inner resource and you know that's what I needed always because from a very young age even without being in the food or alcohol or anything else just living life life was terrifying for me I felt the four horsemen terror bewilderment frustration despair and also I felt loneliness always I just always felt loneliness around me I never could feel um, you know, the the positive things of life. And um, it's really this, this miracle of this chip of a book, meeting someone in whom the problem has been solved and learning about entire abstinence as it's based in the doctor's opinion. And then working these steps truly, like my life depends on it, not saying, you know, I don't know if I want to do this, I want to do that. Really getting that this is, it is death. It is death. This disease is death, but it's slowly and it's subtly. It's death on the layaway policy. Um and and living these steps and then having the miracle happen. So with that I passed. Thank you, Lisa B. Jeanette S., it's your turn. Hi, this is Jeanette S. as in Sam, uh recovering from Newburgh, New York. The um the part that struck me. The part that struck me today was the less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. Uh, From a young age, I always thought I was on the wrong planet. Um, Everything was the opposite of what I thought it should be, or what I was taught it should be, or what I somehow absorbed that it should be. And um, I really didn't care if people tolerated me or not. It came to the point where I was just withdrawing. And I uh, recently realized that I was becoming agoraphobic. Um, I'm one of those people that can hide behind my smiling face. I can be look like I'm quite gregorious As it says in here, we're good actors. Um, and I would put on my with with my clothing and my jewelry and my makeup, I would put on my mask and then go out. So I was hiding all the time. Um, and what got me in here was, I was, it occurred to me, I wondered if my um, 40-year-old pistol permit was still valid. And that scared me. That really scared me. And then I finally heard somebody say the word recovered. Um, if you're recovered, really say you're recovered in your and don't be apologetic about it in your face-to-face meetings. That's what I needed to hear. I didn't hear that anywhere else and I was about to leave again, again from OA because I didn't want to be one of these re- suffering, recovering people all my rest of my life. I want to be recovered and I finally heard the word. Um and now, you know, I, w- I was <laughs> one of those people that uh, mention of things spiritual and made me bristle with, anti- well, not antagonism, but absolute rage. And today, I believe in a higher power. Um, thank you to people who, you know, guided me in that direction and said it was okay to just have an even a willingness to believe. And that was all I needed was that crack the light to get in. I'm so grateful for all of you and for my almost done with the steps here, almost through the whole cycle, and so I can live in 10, 11, and 12. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Jeanette S. Okay, we have time for two more shares. Who I would guess. like to share?
14: Reva P. Monica T. Ch- Julia.
0: Jill- S and Reva P. There we have Thank it. Leah S. Please go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, some of us uh, sought our
14: sordid places, hoping to find understanding, companionship, and approval.
0: And that sentence is a little bit contradictory, because in the earlier part of the book. We're all talking about oh, we used to get together and we used to binge our brains out, and and here we're saying oh, now we're looking for companionship because um, we want to be sober, and um, so it's a little um, there's a difference. In the past, I used to have buddies that I used to uh, eat and pig out with, and 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 today. I look for buddies that can help me grow in my program, that can help me be, uh, overcome these four bedevilments: the terror, the bewilderment, and the despair. I, I try as much as possible. I'm not going to say we're all human; we do have fears. And when I overcome those fears, and when I when I uh, when I have the uh, feeling of euphoria it's like very very uh spiritual that's when i look to share with all you guys that's when i look for your companionship to un- to make you understand that this is more far outweighs anything that i have ever experienced before and with that i'll pass thank you thank you leah s Riva P, it is your turn.
14: Good morning. It's Riva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. It strikes me that the chapter is setting up a vision for me, but it's starting off in the first few paragraphs, reminding me what it was like, and why do I need to remember what it was like? Um, I need to remember because after years of abstinence and living in the steps, I need to remember that it is an only 24-hour reprieve and that this is what it was like. When I look at people eating what are my binge ingredients or binge foods, um, it doesn't bother me because this is what it was like when I ingested those things. And I will never get the effect that I was chasing. What I will get is loneliness, despair, the four horsemen Um, and I will not get that effect if I'm abstinent only and running my life on self-will either and it's really important to remember that maybe maybe there was a time that I could handle certain things but I broke the barometer and I can never go back. And I love the analogy I heard at a meeting here that I was a cucumber, I am now a pickle. I can never, ever go back to a cucumber. It's done, over. And the only thing I will get is the four horsemen. And you know, in the moment, I might forget. When when I have that mental twist, I might forget. The only defense, the only defense is the spiritual um, experience um, as a result of working the steps. So I love that it's driving home. Like, don't even don't even try. Um, it's not going to work. And I have to remember that it never, ever worked um, the way it was and with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Rita P. There are three minutes left, so I'm going to ask if there's one person I'd like to share for two minutes. Monica T. Monica T,
15: please go ahead. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. Please time me, okay? And I'm Alrighty. just going to piggyback here on what uh, was just said. So the chapter says a vision for you. What's a vision, ability to see, something that you imagine, a picture you see in your mind? So at the beginning of this chapter here, this is not a very nice picture. This is not a very nice vision They're, we're we're looking at here. They're wanting to hammer it over the head again, Monica. This is what you are. This is where you were. This is what you come from. You know, isolation, fear. Momentarily, it says we did find companionship, approval, or oblivion. And oblivion is unconsciousness and unawareness. You know, I used to eat to oblivion. But you know what the problem with oblivion is? I woke up. And then what did I see? Terror, which is intense fear, panic, bewilderment, extreme confusion of the mind, frustration, deep, chronic sense of insecurity, despair, hopelessness, you know? uh... not a very happy f- vision and i need to know this in my gut that this is what this disease does to me and if i continue to pick up allergic food this is where i'm going to continue to be so they're just really hammering it home here you know this is the vision you were but they're going to give us a lot of hope because the chapter is a vision for you they've got a different vision for us and um Wow, you know, beyond my wildest dreams as a result of doing the steps, working the steps, I have and am experiencing a different vision. And I thank you.
0: Thank you, Monica T., for taking us out this morning. Um, okay, so thank you to everyone who shared. Just great shares, and I'm a numbers-perfect person, kind of geeky. We have 15 people share this morning, and I've got 323 of my best friends on the line with me this morning. So thank you all for being here and for sharing and giving of yourselves. Today's share ID, Wednesday, September 27th, is 10,478. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Well, Stacey, see. Stacey C., please
16: read that for us. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. This has been a great meeting for me today. Thank you. Stacey C. from Louisiana, Recovering. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick.